Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're in a series which we have titled Power in That Name. Power in That Name. There's, there's so much in the names of Jesus Christ. So much. And so many times we miss out on what God is trying to show us through His names. The, those names, they say something about God. They're not just a name, not just a title, but they, they are telling us, He is telling us something through His name. And so it's good that we study those names, it's good that we see those names, and we're not going to be covering all of them during this series, but uh, looking at a few of them, and, and I hope it will be a blessing and encouragement to you, and already, I, I hope you've enjoyed the ones we've already covered. John chapter 8, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to. We're going to begin reading in verse 48. John chapter 8, and begin reading in verse 48, says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keepeth, or if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the, Jew, the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my, keep my saying, he shall never taste death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me. Of whom ye say that he is your God. Boy, he got straight with him right there. Right there he told me, he said, I'm his son. And there's no other way of looking at what he just said. But he said, uh, my father, which you say is your God. He's saying, I'm his son. I mean, he got plain with them. You know, a lot of times we read through scripture and say, why don't he just tell them who he is? He does all the time. But they don't want to accept it. They don't want to listen. They're not paying any attention there. Verse 55 says, Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. If I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was... I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Look there in verse 50 again. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Let me read Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, And God said unto Moses, This is where the burning bush is. Uh, and Lord speaking to Moses, how the burning bush, and God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Great I Am. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We are so thankful that we have the great I am. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. Even through this name of Jesus Christ, Lord, the great I am, the I am, Lord, I pray that we give us an understanding, Lord, that it would draw us closer, Lord, that it would enrich our hearts and minds and lives to see 
uh, greater things about you because of your names. And Father, there's power in those names. There's power in the blood. And we thank you for that. We do pray for our nation. We pray for the healing of this nation. We pray for revival across this land. We pray for the wicked to be turned away. And Lord, that the righteous would prevail. And Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon us. Help us to be a witness in these dark hours. Help us to lift up Jesus Christ. And Lord, even so, we do pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We seek your return. We seek your hand. And we thank you. We love you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. You know, we, we live in a selfie world. You know what I'm talking about, a selfie. Uh, we live in a selfie world where people splash their likeness all across, uh, you know, the Internet. And they, and they uh, what do you, you, got, you got your phone on you in your pocket? Stand up here, Blake. <clears throat> and people are always taking selfies of themselves and, and, and sending it out on the Internet and everything. And, and most of you know what a selfie is. You know, we get in there like that there and somebody holds it out there, smiling out real big. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I, oh, got it. Oh, hey, let's, let's do a different one. Let's do, a, let's, do a, let's do an ugly one, okay? Here we go. All right. Let's do one where maybe, maybe somebody thinks that we're hungry and we need food. And we take, you know, they take, thank you, and those selfies, and, and they send it out everywhere, and, and uh, so people see your likeness, okay? And honestly, if, if I was, if, if he said, take a selfie of me, and I took a, this here and took a picture of him, that is not a selfie. The person taking the picture has to be in the picture, for it to be a selfie. And, and you say, why'd you throw his phone away? It's broke anyways. And <clears throat> so we live in a selfie where you see it all the time. You've got people who are taking them. And could I say, and, and not disrespectful, and I'll explain what I'm saying here a minute. Jesus is, you might say, God's selfie. In that he is the exact representation and manifestation of God himself. Okay? That's who he is. He isn't just a friend. He isn't just somebody who's photobombing the Lord. We all know what a photobomb is, don't you? When you're taking that selfie, somebody pops over and gets their face in there when they wasn't supposed to be. He's not photobombing God. Jesus is God's selfie. What I mean by that, God realizes this, God is invisible to us in essence. He's invisible to us in essence. We can't see Him with our eye. Our finite being cannot comprehend or see Him. In fact, if we could see Him, it would vaporize us. We would die. He told, he told Moses that. You look over in Exodus when Moses is there at the mountain and... Uh, uh, the children of Israel had sinned and, and, and made the golden calf and, and uh, they were, you know, and, and, and Moses came down, he broke the tablets and he goes back up and, and he's complaining to God about all this stuff and everything and he, and he says, I just want to see your face. I'm just paraphrasing. He said, I want to see your face. And God himself said, no man can see my face and live. He said, but this is what I'll do. He said, I will... He said, I will let you see my hinder parts, basically, as I walk by. I'll let you see my back. But no man can look upon my face and live. 
And so we see that this essence is something that we are unable to, to have. So without Jesus, we cannot know God's heart and His person or His character intimately because we need to see Him. But out of God's great love for us, He, desire, he desired to, to be known by us and to be seen by us. Okay, God, That's God's desire. Whether you realize that or not, it's God's desire for us to know Him and to see Him. Now that seeing is a little bit different, but in order to do that, he had to come to us in a form that would be able to, that we could be able to understand. He had to be both man and he had to be both God simultaneously at the same time, which gave us a greater glimpse into who God is, and that was Jesus. Now that did something for those who believe that did something that gave us a greater glimpse of him, a greater knowledge of him, a greater faith in him. But it also did something else. Those who did not believe and would not believe, it made a bigger barrier, a bigger gap between them and God. You see, that division got larger because it was harder for them to believe that God would come down in the form of a man and show himself to man. But he did. You see, there's a division by that name, I am. Look again with me in verse 56. He said, your father, Jesus said, your father rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? They're, they're chiding him here. They're, just, uh, they're, they're, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. He said, you're not even 50 years old. How could have you seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And look at the next verse. Look at the division it caused her. They took up stones to cast at him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to do away with him. Hey, listen, uh, you may think the name Donald Trump uh, is causing a divide right now. It's nothing compared to the I am. That, that division has went on through the, through the eons of time from the very beginning, how that it has divided man and divided nations and divided people and divided homes and divided uh, uh, families and, and lives. It, that I am has divided people in essence of who he is. You've got people in, in, that you know that don't want to have anything to do with you because you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in the I am you got people who laugh at you and mock at you probably because you go to church and you believe that Bible that you're holding in your hands and that you pray to, to, to the Lord in heaven. And they laugh at you and mock at you. There's people maybe in your family that, that you, you try to get them to come to church. You try to talk to them about Jesus Christ. And you know what they say? I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. Leave me alone. Don't talk about it. Probably... Several of you in this room, you at times you have, have talked to people that maybe you knew, maybe you didn't know them, and you reached in your pocket and you pulled out a gospel track and said, hey, let me give you this. He'll tell you about Jesus Christ and how he'll be saved. And they'll just look at you and say, I don't want it, or else they'll take it. And I've literally had them take them and tear them up and throw them on the ground in front of me. The I am, even today, is causing a great divide. 
And my friend, can I tell you something right now? Get ready. He's going to cause a greater one. Because as we move into these last days, the great I am is going to become more prevalent in, in those who believe in him. He's going to become more uh, abundant in their lives. And those who don't believe, they're going to move farther and farther away from the great I am. In these days. They're going to become more like the, the Pharisees and the religious crowd here who said, we don't want anything to do with you. And they picked up stones to kill him. When Jesus introduced his name to the world, at this very moment in history, he drew many in closer to him, to God. They were interested. They wanted to know. But he also pushed many farther away who don't want to know. It's not a name you can, you see, it's not a name that you can halfway embrace. It's not a name that you can just halfway embrace. It's, Either Jesus is I am or he is a liar. He's either God or he's lying. Would you agree with me? Come on, get with me tonight now. Would you agree with me? He's either God or he's not. And so we've got to decide who the I am is. Is he God? Yes, he is. Jesus Christ is God. He's God's son. He is the I am. This name by which the children of Israel recognized Moses as being sent from Jehovah God. And therefore, uh, Jesus, to use this name, I am, he's saying, I was before Abraham. And as the I am, he, he said, I exist in the eternal. Now, now I'm going to explain this a little bit more. But I exist in the eternal present tense. You say, preacher, that don't make sense. Eternal, that's future. Present is now Tense. We'll explain it in a minute. The only one that can claim that is God. He is the only one that can claim that. He's the Son of God. He is God. And that's where we read in verse 59 again, they took up the stones to cast at Him. You see, they knew exactly what He was saying because they were required to know the Scripture. In fact, they had, the, the religious ones, the, they had to memorize those books. They had it memorized. They knew what it says. They knew about Moses. They knew to, uh, uh, about the, the, the one that said, I am that I am. And the one that says, I, that, uh, the I am sent you, Moses. Tell them the I am sent you. They very well knew that. We find over in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14 says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So they knew that Jesus was saying he was the one that was speaking to Moses in the burning bush. You see why they got upset? You see why they got mad? Because they didn't believe he was the son of God. And here he is. 
He, was, he, he wasn't even 50 years old. He wasn't even 33 yet. Or he might have been 33, getting close to it, yeah. He was, he, and they said, how? You must have a devil. How could have you been the one even seen Abraham, let alone you're saying that you're God because God spoke to Abraham out of the bush and he was the one that said he was the I am and, and it spoke to him and you're saying that you are the I am. And you're here. How could you have been there if you're here? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And it takes faith to trust God. Their faith was not of that of the Lord. You see, the name I am gives us a closer look at the heart of God here. Look at this. The first word is I. That's real deep, isn't it? The first word is, is I. It's a personal pronoun. And really what it is, the Lord is telling us that He wants to relate to and communicate with us personally. I'm glad He used that term, I. Because what He's saying is that you mean something to me. And I want to have fellowship with you. And I want to walk with you and you walk with me. And, and He wants that personal relationship. Over in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice. And we're, the, we're called the sheep. He said, My sheep hear my voice. And notice what he says, And I know them. He, said, he didn't say, I know about them. He said, I know them. He's personal here. And they follow me. Verse 28 says, and I give unto them eternal life. He's giving them. The, it's personal. He says, it's something that I want to give. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He's saying, personally, your, your soul is held in my hand. I personally know about you. I personally know you. I personally want to walk with you. I personally want to fellowship with you. I am. I, I personally want that relationship with you. Hey, every Christian here ought to give a hearty... Hallelujah, because God says, I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to have fellowship with you. He's a great I am. And he's telling us through his name. Most of us just look at that as a title. He said, no, it's more than a title. I'm trying to tell you something. I want to know you personally. I want to fellowship with you personally. Not only is this name personal, but it's present tense. Notice, notice here, he's the I am. It's not the past tense. The past tense would be was. It doesn't say I was. That would have been in the past. It's not a future tense, which would be will be. He doesn't say I will be your God. He said I'm not the I will be or I'm not the I was. He said I am the I am. What this explains to us is that God has no past and He has no future. Why? There's something you're going to learn tonight that some of you probably hadn't thought about. 
probably send you home and have nightmares tonight. God didn't have a past. He doesn't have a past. And he doesn't have a future. That's why he called himself, I am. It's present tense. You see, everything about God is now. He lives in a different dimension and a different realm than what we live in. He has no past. He has no future. Everything is now. See, it's hard for us to relate to that because everything about us has a beginning and an ending and everything has a time and space. Yet God lives outside of the time and space. He is. It's like this. I was born in 1960. March 31st, 1960. That was my birth, my beginning, though I was carried in the womb for, for nine months, but I, what I'm saying is what we look at, we look at our beginning at birth. One of these days, if the Lord tarries, you'll walk out to a cemetery somewhere and you'll see a dash and you'll see another date. And that date will be the ending, what we call death. We see a beginning, we see an ending. You go out, to the, go out to the cemetery tonight and look, take a flashlight, look. There's a beginning, there's an ending. That's what we live in. We live in time and space. We, everything has a time and a, a, a beginning and an ending in our minds. We go buy a brand new car and, and then it lasts 10 years, 15 years, maybe if, you know, 20 years, 30 years. I don't know. There's some out there that's been a little older than that, but there's a beginning when it was built and there's an ending when it goes through the cruncher and gets crushed and put back into metal or plastic. Everything has beginning and ending. We go out here and we sow a field. You go buy the corn, uh, the farmers go buy a corn and they say this is, I, you know, I don't know, this is, so many weeks or months maturity or whatever. It has a beginning from the time that you put it in the ground until the time that it harvest. We are what they call finite. We have a beginning and an ending. But God is infinite. He did not have a beginning. He does not have an ending. He didn't have a past and he doesn't have a future. Oh, but preacher, that don't make sense to me because in my Bible it talks about in the future uh, we're going to be judged. And in the future the new heaven and the new earth come down and, and Jesus is going to come down and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And, and we got all this going on. Lord. There, there, there. No. There is a God, not there is, there, he is God. And he is the I am. And so he is, always was, always will be. He's present tense. See, I'm still not getting it. Well, let me point you to a scripture. Because he's present tense. The scripture says in 2 Peter 3a, says, but 
Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. How is that possible? How is that possible? He lives in a different realm. And time is no such a thing. To God. He's the I am. Therefore, that leads us into some truths which never, you know, that uh, sometimes that we never put together before. First, whatever God has prophesied for the future that we hold in this book, whatever He's prophesied for the future that we may be waiting on, and we're waiting on that, we're waiting on the return of Christ, we're waiting on these things. That's prophesied. Let me blow this across you. He's not waiting. In the essence in which he is, he is always in the present tense. It's already there. That's why you and I can count on, uh, can count on anything he says because what he declares will happen has already happened in his existence. He said, you really lose me. I'm going to give you something to help you in a minute. In Ephesians 2, 6, he says, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And probably most of you that have heard that verse preached on says that is present tense. The words that are used is present tense. So that means while we're here, we're actually in heavenly places. And we've always kind of, oh yeah, yeah I don't know. But you see, in the realm of God, we are already existent. If we have Jesus Christ our Savior, we are already existence with Jesus Christ in heaven. That's why salvation is secure. That's why you can't lose it. That's why God is on the throne, by the way. You say, but I'm still here. I understand. But in God's realm, you're already pre-existent there. We're waiting out the time that we go to be with the Lord. In God's eyes, we're already there. He's not hoping it will happen. He knows it already has happened. Okay? This also kind of shoots the hole in the Calvinists who believe that the reason God knows who will be saved is because He chooses who gets saved. And that's not the case. It's preexistent. He's already, he, he, it's, he, it's present. He, he sees who's going to be there. He knows by that. It's not that He's chosen who's going to be there. He said, I would that none uh, uh, would, would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so He knows because He sees it already. But in reality, he knows who will be saved because it's happened in his presence because in his realm, it is all present tense. You say, preacher, you have lost me big time. Okay, here, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. All right? Hunter, go over there. Blake, go over there. Past. That is past, as far back as you want to go. There's nobody in here that's, that was alive in 
Let's just use 1492. Past. Go back farther if you want. Past. Let's go all the way back to the garden. Adam. Let's, let's just do it right. Go all the way back to the garden. Is that, that past? Would you agree with me? Come on. That's past. And everything up to what we call now is past. You follow me? All right. This is future. We don't know how far out there in the future. We don't know about it. It's out there. That's, that's starting at this very moment going on. Okay? You, you see that? It's like this. How can God say, or how can you say that God knows everything because it's present in His life? He doesn't have a past. He doesn't have a future. Everything's present. If you take a person, stand them on a mountain. They look to the left. They can see everything to the left. They can look to the right. And they can see everything to the right. Everything they can see is present. You follow me? If you don't, I'm going to do this again and you're going to until you get it. God sees everything as it is, though it is to now. What we call the past and what we call the future is God's present. That's why He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know why? Because it's already present. He knows who's going to be saved because it's already present. He knows about all of it. And that's why He is the I Am. He is present. It's a different realm in which we live in. God is not man. And He wants us to understand that. That's why we can trust Him. Oh, I just don't know if I can do that. If He's led you, He's already seen what's going to happen. It's already, he's already He already knows. It's already there. In heaven, in God's position, it's already there. It's present. Fellas, can sit down. I don't want to leave you messed up. <laughs> Are you just following me on that? Do you understand that? What it is with God that when He says, I am, He is present. And He knows all about everything because He's present. Everything is present to Him. It's a, it, it, can I say it's as though everything has played out all the way? And I don't know how you would say throughout all eternity because there's no time. And God sees it as though it's this very moment in our lives. Okay. Secondly, his, this name gives us insight into God's totality. And what I mean is who He is and all about Him. In Exodus 3 there in verse 14 he said, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. You know how we would say that? I am who I am. 
You know, somebody said, well, you really shouldn't do that. It's just me. That's, that's just the way I am. How many of you said that? You have. That's just the way I am. And you ain't going to change me now. And God says, I am that I am. It tells us that he is defining himself. And he doesn't need anyone to define him. He's not what we want him to be. He's not what we demand that he be. be. He's not what we try to make him be. He is who he is. And you and I are not going to change him. Thirdly, I... I am means that he's unchanging by nature. And Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, preacher, how could he not, not change? Because he's in the present. He always was. And he's not going to change. He's unchanging. Consider these seven aspects of who Jesus is and as it relates to us by his name, I am. And you'll find these all in the book of John. John chapter 6 and verse 35, he talks about, I am the bread of life. He said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The name comes from the Old Testament. As the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, and they... They got tired and they began to grumble and complain that they didn't have food and they were hungry. And, and so God did what? He gave them manna, the bread of angels. He gave them bread to sustain what? Their life. Which is a picture of Jesus coming as the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. That He might sustain us spiritually and throughout eternity and meet every need that we have. He said, I am that bread of life. He provides direction. He, he helps us through those things. He's the bread of life. Uh, many of the problems that we face today come because our souls are starving while our bellies are full. We're so tied up with everything we can get out of this world. We're missing the bread of life. Our souls are empty while our bank accounts are full. You see, our problems come from, from hungering and thirsting for everything except for Jesus Christ. Do you know what the problem of America is right now? Oh, yeah, man, we got some crooked politicians. No, we are hungering for everything except Jesus Christ. That is our greatest need in this nation. Could I tell you that this nation... If we totality would, would follow Jesus Christ, you wouldn't need a president, you wouldn't need a Congress, you wouldn't need a Senate, you wouldn't need any of them. You wouldn't need law enforcement. But in reality, where we are, our problem is, is that we hunger and thirst for everything except for Jesus Christ many times. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He said, I'm the bread of life. He said, I want to satisfy your hunger. I want to satisfy your thirst. 
But he's speaking of that spiritual need of the soul. That he's able to provide for that. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, he talks about, I am the light of the world. It says, and then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He's the I am that is the light of the world. Not only does Jesus feed us, but also illuminates us, he gui- uh, the guiding and directing us as we walk in his light. He provides direction and connection and power. When you access his light, you access all you need to see everywhere you need to go. He's the light of the world. He said, I am that light. He said, I want to give you light in your life. I don't want you to wander in darkness and stumble and fall into sin, into wickedness of this world. He said, I want to be that light that will show you the right direction, that will show you who I am, that you might see me in a greater way, that souls might be saved, lives might be changed. John chapter 10, verse 7, he speaks of being, he said, I am the door of the sheep. So then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now look at this. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. That's who the I am is. And he goes on, he says, I'm the door of the sheep. You know, when you came into this building, you came through some doors. If those doors were locked, or if those doors were boarded up, you would not get in here. If they would have built this building, and man, they was going at it, and man, it's a beautiful building, and and, and said, but man, the doors would just, it, it would ruin the aesthetics of it. It just wouldn't look right. So let's not put a door in it. And they just built it without a door. You said, that'd be the stupidest thing I could do. You're not going to get inside of it. Jesus said, I am the door. Can I tell you that no man's going to enter into the presence of God. No man is going to get saved. No man is going to have the blessings of God, except they go through the door, Jesus Christ. That's why so many times that we get in trouble is because we're trying to go through, through a window or someplace else to, to get what we want instead of going through the door, Jesus Christ. When you have a problem, go through the door. When you have a struggle, go through the door. When you have a need, go through the door, Jesus Christ. When problems come your way, go through the door. He said, I'll give you entrance in. He said, I'm the door. He said, this I am offers entrance, entrance to all that he has uh, even beyond heaven. Not only just salvation, but all that he has. There. Hey, listen, uh, when you need food, you go through the door of the grocery store. When you need some money out of your checking account, maybe, you go through the door of the bank. It may be a virtual door on the computer. It may, and and your, your credit card is, a, is really kind of a virtual door that when you swipe it, it opens a door and, and the money comes out, basically. When you, when you uh, want to go in and get rest uh, at home of a night, you go through the, the door of your bedroom and you lay down and you get rest. When you need to... Take a shower, you go through the door to where the shower is and you get cleaned up. 
God says, wait a minute. He said, I'm the door. And everything that's needed in your life, he said, I want you to come through the door. He said, I want to provide those things in your life. First of all, salvation, but from that point on, everything else. He said, I want to provide. He said, go through the door. Come through the door. Then we find down in John 10, verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Not only does the shepherd open the door for the sheep to enter in, but the good shepherd also watches over those sheep and protects them. Do you realize that the I am that Jesus is speaking of here? He said, I am the good shepherd. It doesn't matter what's taking place in this world. He said, I'm your shepherd. He said, I'm going to protect you. Well, how, how do I know you're going to? Because you're my sheep. He said, I'm going to protect you. That's why you can lay down of a night and, and close your eyes and, and go to sleep in peace is because the good shepherd never sleeps. And he's there to protect you. There to watch over you. It doesn't matter how crazy this world gets. The shepherd's still there. The good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to meet those needs. The shepherd guides you uh, uh, and, and, and keeps you safe. Very familiar psalm, Psalm 23. Let me read it for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Otherwise, he's going to provide for me. Is what the psalmist is saying. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Otherwise, he takes me out into these green pastures. Uh, sheep love, love uh, the, the green, lush grass. And, and he said, well, we're talking about him going out there and laying. It says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know, you know how that is, why that is? He has provided so much for you as the good shepherd. You're satisfied. And you're just ready to kick back and take it easy. And enjoy him in peace, tranquility, because he's the one that is there watching over you. And while you're enjoying that, his eye is scanning the horizons for the wolves, and the lions, the enemy. He leads me beside the still waters. Those still waters, they, they refresh those sheep. They drink those, from those still waters. And I think I've preached on this before, but if you have waters that are moving fast, like a, you know, or a fast-moving stream, sheep won't drink from them. The shepherd has to take them where this water is still before they'll drink. So he takes us to a place where we can be refreshed. Boy, He gives us a church where we can be refreshed. He gives us brothers and sisters in Christ where we can be refreshed. He gives us the Word of God where we can be refreshed. He gives us the Spirit of God so that we can be refreshed and take a fresh drink. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He's leading us. 
Say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Otherwise, he, yes, we're going to go through the valleys. We're going to go through those difficulties. We're going to go through those struggles. We're going to go through those, those times when the, the, when the enemy's there. And guess what? So is the shepherd. And he has the rod of God. You say, well, preacher, is that a pretty awesome rod that he's got? Yeah, go over into Revelations and and see how he will, will rule with a rod of iron in the, during the uh, millennial reign. And put all enemy under his feet. He's a powerful shepherd. He goes on and says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. My shepherd makes sure that I've got all that I need. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he, that shepherd, leads you into that place eternally to be with him. And John chapter 11 speaks about him being the resurrection and the life. Verse 25 of John 11 says, Jesus said unto her, talking about Martha here, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, Jesus just reminded Martha and, and us when we face death and when we face grief, we're going to need a little bit more than just theology on some pages. We're, just, we're going to need a little bit more than just somebody quoting a verse. We're going to need, you know, when things go bad, we're going to need... A little bit more than Romans 8, 28. Where all things work together good for them that love God and call according to His purpose. We need a little bit more than that. You know what He said? He said that He's the resurrection and the life. When the grief comes, when the sorrow comes, when death comes, and we're grieving, this is what He said. This is really what He's talking about. That's what he's talking about. What I'm saying is he doesn't just walk by. Say, here, you'll be all right. Read that. He comes up and he slips that arm around you. And you feel his presence. Because he is the resurrection. He is the life. We need to allow... Only to allow the troubles of life to drive us to Jesus. Then we'll recognize his power. It will not only calm us in the chaos, but it'll also strengthen us in his promises and his presence. The last one I want to look at here is John eleven twenty five. Again there. Oh no, I, 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 no, wrong one. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, John 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way of salvation than the I am. There's no other real peace except in the I am.
There is no real joy except in the I am. And there's really no satisfaction outside of the I am. Anything does not agree with him. He said, I'm the way. But he said, I'm the truth. Anything that does not agree with him and his word is not true. You can count on it because he's truth. And the life he gives is not only eternal life one day, but abundant life now. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not just talking about through eternity. He's talking about now. Why is it? Why, well, preacher, I thought that was just an eternity. What did I teach you about I am? He's present now. You see, he cares about your now because he is now. Well, preacher, will he be future? He'll never be future. He's now. And in heaven, there's no future. It's all now. He's the great I am. Well, I hope I didn't confuse you too much on that. But boy, I tell you what, if you get some of those, hold some of those truths and realize, you can really begin to trust God. Because everything's present. That's why He knows how it's going to turn out. That's why He knows what you and I need. That's why He knows everything that's going on because it's now. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you be with us now. Help us to understand the great I am. May it open up some new paths and new doors in our lives for an understanding of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the I am. Help it, Lord, to show us and strengthen us in every area of our lives. Oh, we're finite, and yes, we live under a, the rules of time and space at this moment. But one day, it'll always be now. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your mercy. Strengthen us through thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads?